Hi, is uh, is this thing on? Hello? Okay. Well, my name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and I am the host of As I Was Saying Podcast. Consider me your best friend that's not just going to let you sit there and think problematic thoughts. So sit back, relax, make sure you're following us on Instagram, As I Was Saying Podcast. Follow me, she will speak, and let's get it popping on this week's episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and I am the host of As I Was Saying Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope this episode helps and you'll decide to come back again and listen or even listen to our past episodes. And if you are one of our more seasoned listeners, thank you again for stopping by. So trigger warning in this episode, we will be discussing mental health, suicide, since September is National Suicide Prevention Month. And I think that we really have been seeing how mental health comes in all forms. Doesn't matter your race, religion, creed, where you live, anything like that. It shows in many signs. And I think, again, in 2020, with everything that we've been seeing happening, I have myself been impacted when it comes to mental health and suicidal ideations and uh, unfortunately a lot of people around me have as well. So on this episode I wanted to shed light on different factors, risk factors for folks who um, have suicidal ideations. I want to also talk about social media because I think with a lot of the isolation that we're facing due to COVID-19, we are now almost being made to kind of rely on these social factors, social networks to even interact with the people that we want to interact with, right? But we know social media already is a vessel to potentially worsening any sort of mental health issue someone might have. So some of you may have noticed if you follow my personal page on Instagram, and that is at at speak on Instagram, um, and even my Twitter, um, actually not Twitter, I'm not gonna lie, let me explain. So I have been on and off social media, especially Instagram, because I actually wrote an article a while back ago, and I'm pretty sure the studies are the same, that Instagram has a lot of that feeling of depression and anxiety and like something, an app like Snapchat is like a lot of the fear of missing out, right? So Instagram, because there's so many photos, there's, I mean, let's call it what it is. Something can happen in California and I'm based right now in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Something can happen in California and before any news outlet can report on it, I can probably know about it based on social media and based on people I know, right? that live in the area or that's how quickly social media moves. And I'm happy that people who are in the mental health field have been pointing out that we as people are not supposed to be in taking this much trauma. We as people, I don't even think are recognizing how much trauma we are taking in, right? It's, it's a lot. So for myself, I kind of had to incorporate these breaks in with using social media, especially because I do enjoy being on it. I enjoy connecting with people. I enjoy posting different thoughts, my work, X, Y, and Z, but also realizing that, you know, when you see people who are dying, whether it be due to racism, this pandemic of COVID-19, you're seeing sexual assaults, you're seeing 
just all of these things and then I always tell people this is on top of your your personal problems right so this is not factoring maybe a personal death in your family this is not factoring in you know personal intimate partner relationships this is not factoring in you know family and friends it's not factoring anything this is just what we see in our world right and I think one of the biggest signs to me that I needed to be like whoa this is a lot and take a step back was when things actually started becoming numb when I actually Number one, I, I just stopped sharing, especially the deaths of, of black people being taken through racism and police brutality because I just personally know, like, that's very triggering to see videos of just people dying on camera. And I think that we want to spread awareness, but sometimes we have to either put a trigger warning or be mindful of what we're sharing. Like, you're literally showing someone dying on camera. That's a lot to take in. And I noticed that it was a lot when I could watch these things or read these posts and be like, oh, okay. Because that's honestly how frequent it has become where the initial sadness, the initial I want to do something, the initial all of that stuff, I don't want to say it's gone because it's not gone. I can feel it sitting in my chest, the action. I still take action in my own way. But I, I wrote a tweet, um, I would say a few days ago, that was literally like, like me typing on social media and it's like racism dot 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 delete this is just dot 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 delete we just need to dot 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 delete I'm tired that is honestly my reaction like I don't even have the energy to argue back with folks anymore I don't have the energy to post things because honestly I don't even want to have conversations with people like I don't want to have open dialogue that is non-essential to anything I have to do like it's honestly to the point where like I go into my work and I honestly told my co-worker one day like yo um you have to vouch for me that if I like pop off in here is because I've really been struggling right and a few months ago one of my co-workers even said you know I think that the mental health impact of what is happening this year mixed in with everything else that we've been seeing for years and people's personal life is really gonna, you know, it's really gonna weigh on us. And three weeks into COVID-19, I was just like, yo, the mental health aspect of what this isolation is and all of these things is not being talked about and we need to. And then here we are. And it, I think we really need to have these conversations. So the first thing I kind of want to address, like, and again, this is my personal um, because I feel like we've been talking a lot about social media on social media, right? Especially now I saw like th these different apps are changing the regulations. You got TikTok having, you know, being bought. They don't want it. They don't want to, reg they want to regulate it. Facebook is now changing its thing where it's just going to delete stuff. We already knew Facebook and Instagram did that already. Um, but now they're basically putting in their protocols like, yo, like we could just come onto your app and just be like, now nah, we're going to delete this. And I encourage everybody to take time off social media. So um, I have some t statistics here for y'all. So it is estimated that about 25% of adolescents believe social media impacts them negatively, right? So that already shows the awareness. And 13% of 12 to 17 year olds reporting depression and 32% are reporting anxiety. Mental illness is a concern for like their adolescent health. And when it comes to the demographic of 18 to 25 years old, 25%, 25% of young adults, so that is the age of 18 to 25, report having some form of a mental illness. And this is through social media. Like this is, you, you knowingly can feel that by turning on Instagram, by posting on Twitter, you just look at it, it's like, I can feel the mental health 
you know, illness kicking in. I can feel the depression. I can feel the anxiety, right? And we need to really be aware of that. And we really need to have those conversations. And I don't think as people, we are taking the adequate breaks, right? So there's also a um, great documentary doc series and it's on Netflix and it's called The Mind Explained and it actually addresses social media right and a, and a little bit about how it impacts the mental health which is why in the beginning of the conversation I actually said you know it's a vessel because of course social media is a tool right and I would be lying if I said it was all bad I mean if it was all bad y'all wouldn't see me on there but it does have its good moments but a lot of times when we're in these negative spaces, we just keep feeding, feeding, feeding this information. It is a land of fear of missing out. It is a land of comparison. And again, we have to look at a lot of the environments that we're in. The majority of us should be, we're isolating, we're pretty much with the people that we spend every day with, right? Many people aren't going to work, um, or if there are at work, you're at home. So also, that's one thing I said to a lot of my friends too. It's like, you're not working from home as far as like, oh, I'm just working from home. No, you're working during a pandemic at your house. And I say it like that because even my folks that are working from home, I really hope that you're taking, you know, steps or, or, or taking some form of self-care because your home, your space is supposed to be where you decompress, right? And if you're not used to working at home, you're not used to being at home like that, now it kind of takes this place that we're used to go for solitude and to relax, and it just turned it into like the place where now all, you know, these things of depression, anxiety are coming up. So I think we have to really take that into consideration, right? And when we talk about these, this trauma porn, and I use that term because I've heard it said many times, and I do believe that's what happens sometimes, where it's just constant, constant, constant people dying, things happening, all of these different things. And personally, as someone who is a Black American, as a Black woman, right, it is very hard to see people that look like you die every day. It is very hard to know that people that look like you still have not received justice, right? And I think that, and I'm pretty sure y'all can hear it in my voice, we really need to address that we can't, we cannot keep keep doing this. We can't. Um, on Instagram, it's called Real, well, on Instagram, the ad is Real Depression Project, and it's the Depression Project. Um, so they, their statistics state that two of the leading factors that contribute to, you know, suicide is isolation and the feeling like a burden. And again, like with where we're at right now in September, 2020, where we have been for months since like March of 2020, isolation is definitely up. And the aspect of feeling like a burden, because I feel like a lot of us are having these these things come up, especially, I like, again, I can, it might not be y'all, maybe I'm just talking to myself, but I feel like when you're just sitting in your thoughts, you're sitting at home, you're sitting in your feelings, you're literally in your bag, right? All of these emotions come up, all of these triggers start to happen, and sometimes the very thing that we try to avoid is actually the silence because we are with ourselves. And when we talk about mental health, when we talk about suicide, a lot of times we honestly just don't know the signs. And I think it's really important to not only talk about suicide, suicidal ideations, mental health in September. This is a year round topic because this is a real thing. Um, there was actually a hashtag that I don't, I think it still happens 
but I know it was like a project for a while and it was like faces of depression and it was people who were depressed and or committed suicide due to depression and the goal of it was to actually show these stories that to most people you would think the person was quote unquote okay like somebody I think went to the prom the night before and the family had the pictures and it's like their daughter was so happy and and they were like yeah they were struggling but it was like the past few days they were good and then committed suicide or it's like a father who took his kids out you know went fishing all these things and then it's you know committed suicide and it's it's so heart-wrenching to hear these stories but for a lot of people this is what mental health and depression, anxiety, and suicide looks like. Not everybody is crawled up in the corner of their room crying. And even if they are crying, that's not what they show the world. Listen, I tell, I, I like have friends that I tell honestly sometimes when they be like, what you doing? I just got out of crying from the bathroom at work. I think, I think a good amount of people have been at their job, been at the store, been at someone's house and had a whole breakdown in the bathroom or somewhere, you know, closed off. And then just kind of got yourself together and then walked back out into the world like nothing happened, right? Because we feel and we have a society where it's like it is not okay to discuss mental health. It's not okay to ask for help. And especially if you're someone in a marginalized community, we even have within our own narration, like as someone who is black, I was always told like mental health is not for black people. Like we don't see therapists. We don't have these problems. And not only do we not have these problems, you don't want these problems because then you're black with mental health problems. And it's like, you can't do that. Instead of recognizing that depression and anxiety are often triggered by life events it's an again we are in a year of many deaths of illness of 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 all these different things right in in a pandemic that nobody saw coming like i don't know about anybody else but in my five-year plan because i'm 25 so now we like we going by five so when they asked me in 20 where do you see yourself at 25 this was nowhere nowhere in like that list so everyone has these plans you had goals you had all these things you were going to do and then it just kind of phew wipes away right people losing their jobs people losing loved ones people losing relationships i know so many people um who have were in relationships at some point during this year and now they are not right so we have to recognize we have all of these changes and the thought that that is not going to impact us is is actually hurting us right and so first and foremost anyone that is struggling right now or any other time it doesn't have to be in 2020 during all of this it is okay because it is real your mental health and what you are feeling is real and to really address it we have to be honest so first the number for suicide, um, for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. So I just wanted to give that out because, again, having a, any type of mental health issue does not make you weak. It does not make you crazy. It does not make you any of those things we tend to tell people because we are afraid of asking for help. So I'm going to actually read some facts and some different risk factors from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, right? And so I'm not sure what they're doing, but normally they're the organization that um, puts on a lot of the marches and walks I, um, during Suicide Prevention Week. I don't know what that looks like during COVID, but I will get that information for you. So 
a lot of the environmental risk factors, right? So this goes into prolonged uh, stress, such as harassment, bullying, relationship problems, unemployment. So prolonged stress is pretty big right now, right? And it really is, especially for anyone who's listening, who's maybe honestly for yourself, but especially if you're someone who is close to somebody who is in a prolonged stressful situation, really checking in on them, right? Because I think you know, we've all been in prolonged stressful situations and maybe for a good part of it, we try to brush it off, we laugh it off, we do everything. But every once in a while, it does get you. Stressful life events like rejection, divorce, financial crisis, a a loss or a transition. So someone getting a diagnosis, somebody losing someone very close to them. All of those things are risk uh, factors as far as the environment. Exposure to another person's suicide or to a graphic or sensationalized accounts of suicide. So this is not so much saying, because this is a misconception, that talking about mental health makes somebody else have mental health problems. Or like someone, a lot of times people think like talking about suicide makes somebody suicidal. No. But what can happen is someone who already is having suicidal ideations or they're just really in, in a bad place mentally and then losing someone due to the same thing they are struggling with might help, not help, but might continue that sense of feeling lost or feeling isolated. So I don't want us to think that by talking about suicide, you're going to make someone more, you know, prone to it. But seeing those images, you know, knowing that maybe with someone close to you can just add to that sense of loss. And then a really, 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 really big one. And this is where, um, again, I'm not a mental health professional, but from the few certifications I have, um, from the few uh, workshops I've taken, the biggest factor too is means, right? So when someone starts to have means to commit suicide, that is when we should also worry. So this looks like having firearms in the home. This looks like having access to drugs. Anything that can be used, um, especially again, like something like a firearm or, or drugs should definitely be taken seriously. And especially Um, If someone has a plan, because once a plan is made, that is, again, all of these things are concerned up until we're going to go over some of like the changes and things to notice. But when someone has a plan, like if they can verbalize to you, like I would um, commit suicide by X, Y, and Z, that is a definite red flag that you should be concerned. You should, you should um, ask like, first of all, see what they see as an avenue of help and see the best resource for help if a plan is in place, right? So, um, warning signs, no different talk. So if a person talks about killing themselves, feeling hopeless, having no reason to live, being a burden to others, feeling trapped, or unbearable pain. So this can sound like saying, like, I just feel pain all the time. There's a pain in my chest. And again, a lot of times trauma, anxiety, depression, mental health um, sits in our body. It can physically manifest. So if someone's having a lot of physical pain, and I know a lot of times we like to say, oh, maybe you just need to eat better. Maybe you need to drink water. Maybe you need to work out. All those, those things, although those things can aid in alleviating some of the pain, if that pain is coming from a place of, you know, mental health, then that is really the root and that is what needs to be addressed. Again, the feeling hopeless and being a burden. So this also looks like being withdrawn from people, which is a big sign. Ready? Okay. So another, so other categories, warning signs of behavior, increased use of alcohol and drugs, 
looking for a way to end their lives, such as searching online for methods, withdrawing from activities. So you have someone that always, you know, they would always go to the gym. Like they were, they, they would text and you like, where are you at? And now they're not. They love taking pictures and now they're not. So looking for those activities that y'all used to do or they used to talk about and it's like, if they're not doing that anymore, really checking in like, hey, like what's up? isolating from family and friends. So this one, I know a lot of times we sometimes get this confused, but if someone's like asking like, hey, I need some time to myself, if they're verbalizing like I need a moment to myself, then that is different, right? Acknowledging that you maybe need a space to breathe and and acknowledge and find your own resources, that's okay. And even saying, which I know I've done both ways, my friends doing with me, me doing with my friends. Okay. But you know, can I check in with you by the end of day? Or can you just text me once a day that you know, you're all right, or you're good? Or can I call right? So having and leaving open dialogue, and that is the key, like not making someone feel more isolated by being like, okay, bet then bye. But allowing them if when especially when they're struggling that aspect to be like, okay, Let's leave this open. Um, sleeping too much or too little. So sleep pattern changes, visiting or calling people to say goodbye. Um, this also looks like, oh, that's the next thing, giving away prized possessions. So again, the camera that they cherish, they love, and they just give it to you or give it to somebody else, that's a red flag. That's like, wait a minute, why, why are you doing this? Um, aggression fatigue. Warning signs that regards to mood. Um... These and again, these are signs that are often and there can be different ones. So feeling of depression, anxiety, loss of interest, irritability, shame, anger. Um, and then also which this one is a tricky one, but I'm, I'm gonna try to explain it. Relief or sudden improvement. So again, not a therapist. But um, when I did a lot of, you know, classes or going to workshops, I learned and I think it's very interesting and something a lot of people don't know that we a lot of times look at it like energy levels, right? So when someone's at a really low energy level, that can be where people sit who it's like they experience depression, anxiety through like, can't even move, I can't breathe, I'm just on the floor, I'm crying, right? And then you have people who are the high functioning, right? So the way I heard it was that when people are at especially like this low, low, like in bed crying, like can't really um, even get themselves out to eat or shower and x y and z definitely still need to be monitored definitely still need to be checked in but a lot of time that energy level isn't there so that sudden relief or that sudden kind of like oh spark of energy that you're like okay great they're at a better place that is still something to worry about because that sense of relief and and that sudden improvement could one be someone accepting the fact that hey i have a plan i don't plan to live anymore and, you know, I'm going to end my life. That sudden improvement could also just be an energy spike, right? And when you have that energy back, you might now be more um, more energized to, to now think about a plan. Because when you were at this lower state, your mind couldn't even, you know, do that because you were, you were just in this space, right? So when someone just randomly kind of goes from, like, being deep, deep down, like, again, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm fine that is still cause for concern because it's like, okay, well, what is fine? Like, let's still check in. And some changes that aren't on here, and once again, um, the this is the American Foundation for Suicide and Prevention, also looks like a lot of changes. So again, I, I know this episode is being recorded within COVID-19, so I'm referring back to it a lot, but 
because this is a time where a lot of people are experiencing prolonged stress, suicide ideations. So this, you know, this also looks like changes, right, to your physical appearance. So somebody who always, maybe they got their hair cut a few times, maybe they tried some colors, but this time they dye in their hair and they cut it off in X, Y, and Z. And again, this is different in many people. Um, there's a lot of people who just, I'm one of them, you know, I start new journeys and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to cut my hair, I'm going to color my hair, I've been blonde, I've had braids, I've had my hair like shaved in the back, all of it, right? But it's looking at all these patterns. So if somebody's depressed and they have like maybe a sudden spark and all these things and now their hair is cut off, it's kind of like, okay, you know, that, what inspired that look? Again, dialogue, their outfits change. Maybe they had a specific look and now they're maybe not even changing their clothes. Again, hygiene changes, not showering, not brushing your teeth, appetite, you're not eating or, and especially if you're not eating or your appetite has changed. I don't really necessarily want to say overeating, but in a sense of like, maybe someone had a certain eating pattern, they eat like certain foods and now it's just like, you know, you go into the room and it's like, you just got stuff everywhere, right? I know for myself, the way I can see how my mood is, is actually based on if my bed is made or not. Um, and it's more so for prolonged period of time, because I'll be honest, like some days I get up and I'm just like, I'm sorry, you gon', that's just how we're gonna look. But if I know for prolonged periods of time, my bed is not made, I start to see my room get messy, that's how I know like I am in a prolonged stressful period. So even looking at, you know, the cleanliness of someone's space. If someone is, you know, a decent, maybe organized person or a minimum, they just don't have like food and plates and, and all this garbage everywhere. And then you like kind of step into the space and it's like, oh, okay, that is a sign. Uh, and so again, I know that this is a hard topic to talk about. I know, especially as someone who has struggled um, personally with my mental health, it's, it's very hard to, to vocalize and talk about sometimes because you don't know how, but I think it is a very important conversation to have because, and I'm trying to think of where the statistic is from, but um, majority of people, and if I'm not mistaken, it's 80% of people, especially adolescents, want somebody to know that they're struggling. And I think that's really key to understand. And I think also what's key to understand when it comes to talking about suicide and I heard this once and I love the way it was said. It's, it's like, you know, people who are struggling, they don't necessarily want to die. They want the pain to stop. And I think when we look at it from that lens, it really shows that there's a lot of hurt happening and we really need to address the root of that hurt. And I know that very often what happens when, and I know I personally lost people to suicide, right? there's like this sense of like, I didn't see it. I didn't know like what was happening. And I also want to give space for those people who this might be hard because they lost someone they loved and they don't know what they could have done. And again, you know, sometimes it's very hard because when people make that decision, sometimes it's very, you know, difficult to, to stop or give a resource to it. Right. But maybe understanding some of these risk factors as far as like changes in somebody can help you identify, you know, what somebody is really experiencing. And again, different help for them can look like um, therapy. It could look like maybe just taking a break, which is why I talked about social media at the beginning of this, because I, from for myself, have noticed social media as one of the triggers of my mental health. Um, and especially, again, going through some personal things in my life. Um, social media has become like kind of like a tool of almost like 
just just always being on it and then seeing all these things you know your environment adds to all of that so taking the necessary breaks if you need a therapist you know seeking that there are also a lot of free options as well um to therapy or like uh what's the word i'm looking for minimal cost it could also be if you're a spiritual person you know leaning in that spirituality and i think one of the biggest forms that i am just now really really honestly leaning into because i feel like i hated it before is also reaching out to your support system reaching out to those friends and family who are there for you who who love you unconditionally who maybe you were their rock it is okay for the person that's the healer quote unquote to, to need healing and it is okay to tell your team hey i am not okay and i need help i need space i need x y and z because when you do that you're 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 allowing people one the space to know what's what's happening and you're allowing people the space to potentially help and again i hope that um this was helpful again this uh, number to the national suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 and i hope this episode although it is short i hope it was a resource and i hope that we all recognize that you know, there's so much happening. Um, I know, for example, listen, the death of Ch Chadwick Boseman, right? That one hit so... And I feel like the death of so many people this year have had people. But the death of him, like, I had family call me at 2.30 in the morning, like, oh my God, like, this is not real. And understanding that even examples of that is shared trauma. Like, understanding that we can feel that pain you know I was actually just looking up like if having a broken heart because I've heard it having a broken heart honestly feels sometimes like you're detoxing from something and I wanted to look up why and how that works and it does you know having your heart broken which can be from a loss again a death it could be from relationship breakup and it could just be from seeing things in your life that really just break your heart seeing police brutality seeing racism seeing homophobia that breaks your heart that we see those things breaking of the heart and like honestly wanting something better activates those same brain waves of someone who might be um, experiencing like an overdose or a drug withdrawal and I think that is very interesting of how our emotions could be that intense that it, it honestly creates like a feeling of pins and needles and like your heart is beating like again like I've definitely experienced broken hearts within my life Re recently you know this year I've experienced broken hearts and, it, and at one point recently it really felt like I couldn't breathe like I was just like I I was telling my friends like I can't breathe I feel like I'm shaking I don't I don't know what to, like I was like I have never um been withdrawing from any type of drug before but I know what pain feels like and this this feels like I don't know how to describe it and I, I don't know um and definitely head over to as I was saying podcast on Instagram I would love to hear y'all thoughts but as weird as it sounds it's like I can almost feel the pain like honestly going through a withdrawal in my body like I can feel like the 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 brokenheartedness just kind of like taking over me and like having to detach from like a loved ones that I've lost this year you know people that I'm no longer relationships with like you know friendships that aren't like there anymore like I could 
feel all of that, right? And again, those are a lot of personal things on top of everything else that's happening in the world. So with that being said, I'm hoping that we're all taking care of ourselves. I'm hoping that we're all taking time to rest, to breathe, to really have those conversations. And most importantly, I hope we're taking time to allow for the grief because I feel like we have a very moving forward culture and move it forward, push it through, push it through. And we're not made to take all this trauma in. And that's why I think it's so hard to push through. So it's time at some point for us to feel the grief and go through that process. And it's hard. It really is hard. But I think it is necessary. And I saw something the other day. And I will close on this note because this is where I personally am, I feel like, with life. Where... It's like some of the reason why we feel like also we can't move from the spot we're in. And this is, you know, not so much at this point I'm talking about suicidal ideation. This is also for people who might be struggling with the depression, anxiety, and feeling like I'm just stuck. Which I think 2020 is like a very big theme, like feeling like you're just stuck, right? And it was a post on social media. So I said, it's not always bad. And it was like, the reason why you might be stuck or suffering is because you're trying to be the person you were before pain and before trauma and that person no longer exists and that was a lot for me y'all and I like the way the post said it because it wasn't saying it like in a that person don't exist like get over it but it was saying it like the person who went through those things it's like it's they're not there and it's not a bad thing it's like anything else and I believe it after doing a lot of work on myself nobody can necess- nobody can break you you can be dented we can maybe have another shape but I used to tell people and honestly I said it recently and it's like if I had the energy for it I'd be like never mind but it's like I told someone like you have pieces of me and then I realized nobody can have pieces of you because because you can't be broken like you cannot be broke you are not you are whole in yourself right and I think sometimes we go through these things and it kind of goes back to the episode I, I had before of like there is no normal at, at the beginning of COVID and how COVID was going to change the world. Some of us are trying to go back to who we were before even 2020 happened, right? Like we're just trying to go back that far. We can't. We've, we've seen too much. We've experienced too much. That person we were before we experienced those things is a changed person. And we just kind of have to flow and now heal and figure out, well, who is this person now? And that's okay because it's it's one of the, I guess you can say, the ironies and bittersweet things about life. It's like that's what life is, a constant journey of ups, downs, love, heartbreak, challenges, wins, all of that. So thank you for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, as I was saying, podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to us um, and actually... In addition we to being on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, we are now on Stitcher. So if, you're, if you have a Stitcher account or you want to promote the podcast through there as well, please be sure to do that and please be sure to share this with a friend to listen. Thank you all again. Enjoy the rest of your week. My name is Shana Tyler Jacobs, host of As I Was Saying Podcast, and I'm looking forward to y'all coming back next week.